Welcome to America's Top Rebbitzins. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Abi Haim Bat Malka, and also for Haim Aharon Ben Rachel. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Rebbitzins YouTube page, or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. I'm excited to have on today's show, Hannah Weisberg. Hannah is the editor of thejewishwoman.org. She lectures internationally on issues relating to women, relationships, meaning, self-esteem, and the Jewish soul. She's the author of six books, and her latest book, Shabbat Delights, is a two-volume series on the weekly Torah portion. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm the editor of the thejewishwoman.org which is a satellite site of Chabad.org. It's the largest educational site for women um, on the web, and it's the most popular site. So we have tremendous amounts of articles there. I have my own personal articles and videos, but we have like just so much there on every single topic, including today's topic, which is on mikvah. So it will be really, if anyone wants any more information, it's, it's great to look there. There's personal stories, there's information, there's educational stuff, inspirational stuff, everything that you could possibly want. So please uh, look at it. It's thejewishwoman.org and it's, it has a lot of tremendous material. I'm also an educator for My Gift of Mikvah, which is an educational arm of Mikvah USA, and they sponsor talks on Mikvah throughout the United States. So if you're interested in having someone speak for a group of women on the topic of Mikvah, this is the place to go. It's my gift of mikvah. And it's a great organization which really provides educational resources and material for people who want to learn about mikvah, people who want to learn how to start going to mikvah and what it's all about. Because mikvah nowadays is something that is not just for the religious people, it's for everybody. I mean, it always was for everybody, but nowadays, even more so, we see all different kinds of people are, are going to a mikvah and trying it out and seeing the tremendous impact that it has on, on our lives. Um, I'm also a writer so and a speaker. So I speak all over the world and I love just speaking, empowering women, empowering men and women really to find their greatest self, to really be the best person that they can be. Um, I started writing my first book, The Crown of Creation. I started writing when I was years and years and years ago um, when it was really the 90s. And it's, it's a book all about women and biblical women and how we can learn from biblical women um, through the challenges of their lives, how we can apply it really to our own lives. And at the time when I was doing it, I was, I was young with a bunch of little kids and um, I was looking around, I was doing classes and I didn't really find material at that point that was really geared to the imahos, to the matriarchs, to, to women from the past, to really going in depth, to hear the feminine voice of how they looked at things, their perspective. And I felt it was so necessary. So I was doing these classes and I researched tremendously in order to do that. And then I thought I might as well put this in, in notes for myself for the future if I do these classes again. And then I thought, well, I might as well really put it out so other people could read it as a book. And um, at the time when I approached some big publishing companies in the Jewish world. This is just to show you how much things have changed. Because when I approached big publishers, I remember one company told me, um, this book is phenomenal. It's so deep. It's so profound. It's so necessary. I'm just worried that the women, it's too profound for women. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, which was horrible. But maybe their husbands will read it. 
I said, no, thank you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and he was totally wrong because the book sold out immediately, you know, mm-hmm. instantly. And that just shows the thirst that people had. Nowadays, thank God, there's so much more available for women. But at that point in time, it was really, um, there was not that much available. So that was the crown of creation, the first book that I ever published. And then the second book was The Feminine Soul, which is all about women's mitzvot, one of them being mikvah. And it goes in depth into it from a feminine perspective, from a spiritual perspective. And a question I got was, well, is there a feminine soul? Is there such a thing as a masculine soul and a feminine soul? And yeah, very much so, you know. For sure. (laughs) And that's what the mitzvot are all about, gearing it to, you know, to each of us. Um, And after that, I put both of those together in a new book called Tending the Garden, which is all about tending the garden, how we are, women are tending the garden of this world. This world is considered God's garden. Um, Basti Lagani, God came to, he says, I came to my garden and we're the ones that tend the garden. We're the ones that take care of the garden on all aspects of the garden. And we cannot look at our world as like a terrible place, but it's God's garden. It's a beautiful place. And of course there's weeds and things that you got to get rid of, but nevertheless, it's, it's, it's a new perspective of seeing the world as not just this, this negative place and this place of materiality, but to the contrary, it's a beautiful place. It's God's garden and it's the place where we can get closest to God. Um, That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, really. So, um, so that was tending the garden. And then afterwards I did divine whispers and listening to the whispers, which is really about listening to the everyday messages of our lives. You know, there's so many day-to-day ordinary things that happen to us, but a lot of those are divine whispers, things that are whispering to us, a message. And if we look just a little deeper, we can find the meaning in it. If we can find the meaning in the daily activities. Um, And so those had a lot of stories from my children, from the lives of my children, from the lives of my parents, but just how we can find a deeper meaning in that. And then the last one that you mentioned was Shabbat Delights. That's about the weekly Torah portion, but from a more psychological perspective, from a more spiritual perspective, how we can grow with the Parsha. Short little nuggets. I, I say it's like your weekly booster. It, it boosts you. It, it makes you feel um, the greatness of yourself, the greatness of who you are, the greatness of your soul, because all of us have this greatness within, and we're not always so in tune with that greatness. The greatness is our soul, that, that piece of God that's a part of us, and it's just tuning in to that power because we have so much power. And, you know, life could be hard, like life could be challenging, and that could make us forget the tremendous power that we really have. Um, you know, and so that was the, the last book that I, I wrote on called Shabbat Delights. I so love it, that. I love that because, you know, it, it, we really, we are, it's, we're more, more than just the physical. We're more than just get up, eat breakfast, take the kids to school, go to work, come home, bedtime, bathtime, dinner time, that's it. You know, there's so exactly. much, there's so much more to us, to who we are than just, than just the do, you know what I mean? Exactly. Than just what we're doing. And, and when we can find that perspective and yes. find that centering and find that importance, you don't have to be like learning and studying Torah all day or praying all day long. But if you have that perspective that you've entered into that awareness, then you take it with you in everything that you do. So everything that you do do, even the material stuff, even the physical stuff, even the things that we do need to do, those are the things that become elevated now with a new perspective because you've centered yourself and you've 
become aware of your, your reason and your purpose. So our purpose isn't to study Torah all day long and learn and, and, and pray. I mean, th that's part of it, but we don't do it all day long. Our purpose is to deal with the physical reality of our world, the materiality of our world, but elevate it and bring it to a higher perspective. And we can only do that when we ourselves are infused with that awareness and with that understanding. I love that. That is really beautiful. It's a great perspective. It really is. It's a different perspective than many of us have. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I don't think that we should look at our world as like, you know, physicality or materiality is something that we have to avoid. To the contrary, especially as women, that's not, that's not where we're at. You know, we're dealing so much with physical reality, with the children and with the house and with the cleaning and with the carpools and with the running and the work and all the things that the many hats that we as women juggle. Yes. And that's, that's our role. That's, that's man and woman's role, but even more so women are involved with that. And we just need to have a perspective on that physicality and that we can elevate the, the, the materiality when we, when we have that. Yes. Yes. And so today that actually fits with our topic of, of going yes. to the mikvah, it's elevating ourselves. So um, as we mentioned today, we're going to be talking about a very, very important mitzvah that has been given to all Jewish women in order to sanctify their families. And it's a mitzvah of mikvah. And through the mitzvah of mikvah, we admit a third partner into our marriage. So now it's not just the husband and the wife. We admit a third partner, partner into our marriage, into our home, into our life, who bestows a blessing on all our loved ones and introduces a dimension of eternity into our marriage. And that third partner is Hashem. That third partner is God. And with God's help, hundreds of thousands of couples around the world have spiritually elevated their marriage through the mitzvah of mikvah. And today, we are going to learn how we can elevate our marriages as well. So I want to start at the beginning because not everybody is familiar with the mikvah. So I really want to start at the beginning. Can you please talk to us about what a mikvah is and also what it's used for? Okay, great. Sure. So a mikvah is actually used for a lot of different things. And one of the most important functions is for a married woman, but it is used for other things. For example, um, a mikvah is used when you, you, you'll have dishes mikvahs, which is utensils that you need to immerse in a mikvah. And what we do is when we, we buy a, a utensil that was owned or manufactured by a non-Jew, before we use it, if it's glass or metal, we dip it into the mikvah and we actually say a blessing on it. And the idea is again, to elevate it, it was used potentially for something that's not kosher and now we're elevating it to use for ourselves. In fact, the first time that we learn about this is after the Jews um, encountered a war with the Midianites and the Kohen actually came to the Jewish people and said, now you got the, the vessels from the Midianites, now it's time to purify them. And how would you purify them? So one part, the first part was through fire, which was to kosher it. And the second part was to immerse it in the mikvah, in the waters of the mikvah. And it says even the waters of the nida mikvah, the waters that a woman usually uses as a mikvah that a woman who menstruates uses after her menstruation in order to reunite with her husband. So that's one aspect of mikvah. Another aspect of mikvah, we see many men uses, use the mikvah either daily before they go to pray They'll daven before they, 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 they daven, they'll immerse in the mikvah to prepare themselves to spiritually purify or elevate themselves. Um, if they don't go on a daily basis, many of them will go before Shabbat, before the holiness of Shabbat, again, to prepare themselves for that encounter. Or if they don't go every week before Shabbat, they'll go before holidays. And especially in particular, before we just had Yom Kippur, they would go on Yom Kippur. Because we actually learned that the 
Kohen Gadol, the high priest on Yom Kippur, would immerse five times in the mikvah. This was part of his spiritual divine service that he had on, on Yom Kippur. Um, we also know that a convert, when she convert, when a man or woman converts to Judaism, they will dip in the mikvah. They'll first study all the laws and be prepared to accept upon themselves Judaism. But that last process, the last step in the process is dipping in the mikvah. So we can see from all these things that mikvah is a place that elevates us. It elevates us to a higher level. And that brings us to the other um, aspect of mikvah, which is when a woman goes to mikvah for her, for her relationship in her married life. So after a woman menstruates and um, for five days at least after that, I'm sorry, for, for five days during her menstruation period plus seven days after that, she will immerse in the mikvah to be reunited with her husband. During that time of menstruation and period afterwards, she and her husband do not have physical intimacy. There's no physical touch. They're not separate. They're all in the same room. They're in the same house, but there's this physical separation in terms of there's no touch for intimacy. And after that time period, she immerses in the mikvah and that immersion is like the monthly honeymoon that the couple experiences, the rejuvenation of the, the marriage, the reigniting of the passion in the marriage. And, you know, I think it's so important because we live in a life where you look everywhere and everything is so sexualized around us. You know, sexuality just sells in the ads and in, in wherever you are. So we live in this highly sexualized society and yet it doesn't seem to be working. It's not working in terms of fulfillment in marriage. So what happens is that couples will look for greater excitement and let's do more things and let's do even, let's look for even more stimulation and it's not working because the more you look for, the more you feel lacking. And Torah has a very simple and profound um, an effective system. And that's the system of, 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 of family living. I call it, it's called Tarat HaMishpacha in Hebrew, which is the system of family living, which says, abstain, stop touching, stop with the physical contact. And then all of a sudden, you're going to feel that desire so much more. And I, I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about it. But just to clarify what a mikvah is, is basically this pool of water um, and nowadays, mikvahs are the most extravagant, luxurious spa-like. I mean, I've seen some that are just absolutely gorgeous. They rival the probably the best spas in the world. Um, so you, you can make it that way. But the mikvah itself is actually just a pool of water that's connected to underneath to rainwater. So there has to be some kind of connection or some kind of pool underneath where the rainwater flows freely into this mikvah of water. It's in ground, it's gotta be built in ground. So a jacuzzi or a, or a, or a bathtub is not something that would qualify. Um, and it has to have this rainwater connected to it. It has to have a minimum amount of water of 200, about 200 gallons of water um, and various halachic requirements and we basically dip into this beautiful pool of water um, in order to then reunite with our husbands. Um, water is very significant in Judaism. I don't know if you want me to go on or not. Yes, please, yeah. <laughs> yeah the yeah, significance okay. of water is great, yes. Water is very significant in Judaism. I mean, if you look at liquid, 
water is the primary liquid. And if you look at liquid, liquids pour. They pour from, and when they pour, they change shapes, right? You can pour it into a glass of water. You can pour it into a vase. You can pour it into whatever it is. And everything that it changes into, it takes on that new shape and that new form. And the word for water actually is mayim. It starts with ma, what? What is it? What is it going to be? And this really is reminds us when we go into mikvah, any of those people that we spoke about are trying to develop themselves into something more. What am I going to be? What am I going to increase in my spiritual service? So, you know, like we said, before Yom Kippur, well, before the holidays, men will go into the mikvah, women will go into the mikvah before they're reunited in their marriage. It's the time for them to really be more introspective and think about what is it that I want from my relationship? What is it that I want from my purpose and mission in life? And how can I achieve it? Uh, we're so busy in our world that we don't take the time to really think and analyze and, and, and look at the important aspects of our life. Um, you know, one of the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe's would say that a person should spend at least a half hour of their day thinking about education, the education of their children, each of their children, spend that time talking. Parents should talk about the education of their children. Imagine how that changes our perspective. If you actually spend that time thinking about the individual needs of each of your child, children and what they need and how they're growing and how they need more in certain areas and lessons in other areas. And now apply that to marriage. It's a fascinating idea that we can actually spend some time thinking about where's our marriage going? How's it working? Is it can we infuse more of this or more of that? Is there, does there need to be more um, emotional connections? Does there need to be more passion? Does there need to be more time that we spend together? How, what are the areas that we need to work on? And um, the mikvah really, the time period really provides that in the sense that during the time that a woman is menstruating and for seven days thereafter, the emotional connection is what we're working on. We're not physically connecting, we're not touching, we're not physically being intimate, but we can work on the emotional aspects of the relationship so that we see each other as not just a physical being, but we see each other as a whole emotional person, emotional, spiritual individual. And we can work on that. You know, sometimes you're in a fight and a kiss just glosses over everything. A kiss, a hug, and that's it. But you haven't really worked through those issues. You know, or you just physically, you get together, you unite, and it's great. But you're not actually spending the time as friends. You know, and in Judaism, we're supposed to be friends and lovers. Reya Mahuvan, friends and lovers. So there is this time where we have the time to be friends, develop our, the friendship aspect of our relationship, and then the time that we develop the loving aspect, the lover aspect of our relationship. And that's really the system of family living. Tara Tamishpacha is a brilliant system that almost forces us to do that, almost puts us in a situation where we can develop it if we, if we use it in the right way. 
That's so beautiful. I love this, this richness and depth. Mikvah isn't just you go into this natural pool of water, you dip and you're done without any thought process. No, it's so much more, just as you said. There's like, um, as water takes on different shapes, I really love that analogy that you gave with water. You put it in a bowl, you put it in a vase and a glass and it takes on different shape. So, and which is going to lead us into what we're going to be talking about next. Because before you- Yes. No, I just wanted to say also, Mikvah is reminiscent of- two things which are like opposite. It's reminiscent of the womb. It's this place where you go in full of water and you come out, if you're really in tune with it, reborn as this new person or as this higher level of a person, whether it's the convert who is now accepting Judaism, whether it's the man who's now ready to greet his day with, with prayer or Shabbat, or the woman who is now ready to invest in this bringing God into her relationship, whichever area it is, this is the idea of mikvah that you enter into this womb, this mayim, this ma of what am I going to be? And you emerge as a completely different person, or you can, you know, obviously nothing is magic. So Judaism is very much about, this is the way that you can be mindful, but it's up to us to be mindful. You know, this is what you can be thinking about in doing it, but this is what we need to work on and actually make put in the work. Um, and the other aspect of it is the grave. You know, it's it's reminiscent of going into this grave where again, we come out thinking about our purpose, our mission in this world and connecting to our mission. And that rainwater that we said is part of the mikvah, that rainwater is brings us back to all the all the time period to the Garden of Eden, really. And it says that Adam was the first one that went into the mikvah after he was banished from garden, the Garden of Eden. He went into a mikvah to purify himself from the sin. Um, we have in the time period of the, when the Jews were left Egypt, when they were in the Midbar, um, the well of Miriam was the mikvah that they used then. So we have these, these, these uh, time periods of mikvah throughout our history. Um, and the purpose is, though, to really reawaken in us uh, a newfound understanding of ourselves, of those around us, and of our connection with God. I love that. I love that. And just exactly, like you, you go into it with so much physical preparation, yes, but so much spiritual preparation. There's so much depth that, that is involved in going into the mikvah. And as you said, like with the water, it, you have the potential of becoming who, whoever you want to become after you dip. Like the dipping, there's a lot of preparation which we're going to talk about, you know, before you dip. And then after you dip, as you mentioned, like being born from the, from the womb, you really have the potential to elevate your marriage, but also yourself. And when you elevate yourself, then of course you elevate your marriage, you elevate your children, you elevate the people around you. So this is really, it's, this is deep stuff. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, it, it really is deep stuff. And I, but I just want to caution, like, it's not magic. You know, right, it's like sure. some people say, okay, go. And, and so I, and I've heard in speaking to people, like they're saying, mikvah is supposed to be like the magic potion that makes my marriage all good. It's not, you know, it doesn't make your marriage all good, but it does make you more mindful and more aware of your potential and maybe the areas that you need to work on in your relationship that both of you need to work on for yourself to become a stronger person, as well as for the us to be formed. So it's not like this magic thing, but it's like any area in Judaism. You know, we say the Moda'ani when we wake up in the morning to be aware, to bring us into the consciousness of gratitude throughout our day. But if you just mumble the words, it's not going to do it, you know, and the same thing is really with with mikvah, you just go into the waters of the mikvah, obviously it does something but it's there's so much more to it 
that is is a part of it. And it's as much as you invest in it is what you'll see, you know, what you'll what you'll reap from it. Exactly, exactly. And so as we were, we were mentioning, there are many physical prepar- preparations that a woman has to do in order to get ready to enter the mikvah. But I feel that sometimes the spiritual preparations, as we were talking about, can be overlooked. Like, you know, if you, like you just said, if you just go into a mikvah and, do, and you, you're not mindful of it, yes, you're doing it, you're doing a mitzvah. But if you're mindful, it could be so much more special and it could be so much more meaningful. And you could see the results of that, that mindfulness in your life. And that's what we're going to be talking about now. So in order to maximize the mikvah, experience to really get the most out of it, a woman must be in the right place spiritually before she enters the ward of the mikvah. So I want you to see if you can please talk to us about the best way that women can prepare themselves both physically and also spiritually before they immerse in the mikvah. Okay, it's a great question. So I, I think first of all, you know, it's, it's undoubtedly that we live in a such a busy time. You know, the more technology we have, the faster that we're moving. Yes. And the faster the, that we're moving, the more we neglect things and the more we forget about things. And just like Shabbat is that time period of the week where we stop and absorb the blessing, the mikvah is in the same way, that period where we can just take that breather and take that stop and just be and realize what, what it is that we reevaluate what it is that we want. So I think one of the most important things is that the day, the, the day of mikvah, plan it out, schedule it, you know, schedule it. I know people are so busy and there's so many things that we're juggling, especially as women, but plan that day so that at least you have a little bit of time for yourself um, physically to prepare, to make it luxurious, to make it something that's special, to make it something where you're in the frame of mind of not just rushing and doing, but you're actually devoting that time to yourself. You know, I I get the question very often when I'm speaking to non-religious crowds, you mean you're actually scheduling a time for intimacy? Like it's supposed to be spontaneous, you know, the sexuality and between husband and wife is supposed to be something, something so spontaneous. And my answer, and this really blows them away, is like anything important in our lives, we schedule. You have a doctor's appointment, you schedule it. You have a date with your friend to meet for coffee, you'll schedule it because the things that we don't schedule don't, don't, don't happen. So yes, we got to schedule it. And yes, that doesn't take away from the spontaneity afterwards and the spontaneity of, of the moment, but anything that's important, we schedule. And similarly, anything that's important, we make the time for, to create that atmosphere and create the vibes around us. So extremely important, the day of mikvah, have something in place that you have at least the time to be mindful of your preparations, that you should be unrushed in your preparations, that you should feel luxurious in your preparations, that you pamper yourself physically in any way that you possibly can, just to make it not a rushed day so that your frame of mind is open and receptive because when we're rushing and doing, we can't be open and receptive. So I I think, you know, that's the most important thing that I would say is the day of, make sure that you actually prepare yourself in that way and um, create an atmosphere at home that you want to have with your husband. So every woman is different, but it's up to us to create that atmosphere. Men and women are so different and we relate differently to sexuality and to intimacy. And you know your needs 
as a woman, make sure you articulate it. So if you want something specific when you get home from the mikvah, tell your husband, we can't, they're not mind readers. As much as we want them to be, and as much as we think they should be, they're not mind readers, but say, say what your needs are. So if you want the room set with candles, or you want some, um, you know, something to, something nice to a glass of wine to drink, or the, or some music playing in the background, express that either you take care of it or express it that he should be taking care of it set the atmosphere set the mind set the as women we're very influenced by atmosphere i know like when there's a mess in front of me i just i can't work you know yeah, <laughs> i need sure. my space i need the openness i need you know my husband's not like that you know? right <laughs> um, many many times so we're sensitive to that we're also extremely sensitive to touch you know and that's why we don't touch during the time period of the, the time period that we don't have physical intimate relations, we don't even touch because it makes every touch so much more meaningful. Um, you know, I, I know of a woman who went to the mikvah and she said her husband first was very against her going to the mikvah. Wow. And afterwards she came out and he's like, he says, your skin is so much softer. Like, I wonder what they put in the waters of the mikvah to create that <laughs> softness. And of course there's nothing in the waters of the mikvah, but having not touched her for that, you know, week and a half, two week period, suddenly that touch was so much more significant. And that's really what we're trying to do that every small thing becomes significant, every small touch, every small uh, kiss, you know, you, we wake up in the morning and how many of you woke up? Did you wake up in the morning ever and, 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 and put on your, take a glass of water and say, wow, I have running water. Of course not. You know, or you look in your fridge and you say, oh, I have apples today. You know? um, I remember visiting my, my children, our shluchim in the Bahamas. And I was like, so blown away with the, the water and the scenery and the ocean. It's just, and the palm tree is stunning. Yet having seen it every single day, my daughter and my son-in-law did not feel that way, right. you know, because we get used to things. And that's really the point of mikvah, that those things that we get used to stop, take a break from it. You know, right after Yom Kippur, that glass of water is like the most delicious thing that you can possibly have. And that's the point of mikvah, that we should join together again as one fusion, joining together as one. And now's the time to make that joining so special in whatever way you can, you know, and every woman is different. Think about what it is that you want. Think about what it is that makes it special for you and make sure you put that in your day, schedule that in your day. That's beautiful. I like that. So you're going in with the right mind mindset physically. You're communicating your thoughts to your husband because you're right. Men aren't mind readers. And what they want, it may be completely different than what you want. And they would have no idea unless you really told them. And when you tell them, you have to be really, really specific. Yes. That's and don't feel bad about that. You know, don't feel guilty about expressing your needs or don't think that they should have known or I wanted them to figure it out on their own because, you know, ultimately that's, it, they're not they're not now figuring it out on their own because they're trying to get at you. They're just not in tune with the things that we are in tune with. So right. that's important. Right. Um, and then can you also talk about like when before you go into a mikvah, you have to you have to bathe for a certain amount of time. You have to do there's a, there's a checklist. Basically, when you go to a mikvah, there's a checklist on the wall and they tell you really A, B, C, D, E of all the things that you need to do so you don't forget. But if you can just talk about some of those things just so people can understand what they have to do to actually physically prepare themselves before they immerse in the mikvah. Of course. Sure. So, you know, the waters of the mikvah are supposed to touch every part 
of our body, every single part of the body. And that's why, you know, mikvah is not something people used to think that mikvah was for cleanliness. To the contrary, we get so clean before mikvah because we do all these preparations. So before we go into the mikvah, we typically bathe in a warm bath or a hot bath for 20 to 30 minutes to remove any kind of what's called chatzitzas, anything that's going to be uh, stop something that's going to interrupt the water reaching every part of our body. So we'll clean ourselves from top to bottom, you know, removing nail polish and removing any kind of loose skin, that dead skin or calluses or stuff like that, makeup, um, anything that's going to stop us from the waters touching every part of our body, every aspect of our body. And in that way, really becoming whole and in tune with our entire body. So there is a checklist in the mikvah and you'll see that like in order and that's what it's for. We brush our teeth, we floss our teeth, we clean every area of our body so that the mikvah can basically touch every part of us, every aspect of us. We're kind of kissing the waters of the mikvah with every part of our body and presenting ourselves as a whole person, you know, whole in mind, whole in soul and whole in physical body. It's beautiful. You know, I'm smiling to myself as you're talking about that because yes, you do have to take off your nail polish, you know, on your nails, on your toes. And I used, I, I have a friend and every time, you know, she knows when I've gone to the mikvah because every time after I go to the mikvah, I'm ready to get a pedicure. So I always call her. So she always knows every time I've gone to the mikvah. It's very funny, actually. <laughs> wow. And then when you are actually immersing in the waters of the mikvah, that's a time to also, after you say the blessing and you, you actually immerse yourself, um, different customs have different, some people do three times, some people do different numbers of times that they, they do it. But the thing that I love best, and I know a lot of women love best, is the personal prayers that you say afterwards. Use those times to actually say prayers, you know, for, for yourself, for what you want, for those that are loved ones, for your children. Um, think about it. Use the, 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 those few moments in the mikvah. Take that time to actually connect with this mitzvah. Um, where you're asking God to become a partner with you in the most meaningful relationship that you can possibly have. You're inviting God into your most meaningful relationship. And you're, you're asking him to be there with you through the challenges, through the ups and the downs. No relationship is perfect. You know, there's never a relationship that is perfect or that we don't, you know, the relationship between a husband and wife is, 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 is that is not like the relationship between a parent and child, a parent and child always it's static, you always love your children, sometimes, you know, they could get on your nerves a little bit, but you always love them. The relationship between a husband and wife is like fire, in that there's tension, and there's got to be that tension, because it's that tension that can ultimately lead you to a stronger connection with one another. Um, there's no couple that go through a crisis and emerge the same. You'll either, the relationship will either deteriorate and it will stop or the relationship will get better, but it doesn't stay static because a relationship between a husband and wife is just not the same kind of static relationship as a brother and sister or as a parent and child. It fluctuates and that's part of our growing and developing into who we need to become. Um, you know, you push each other's buttons so much, but that's part of the whole growth process. So when you are in that mikvah, think about your relationship. Think about how you want God in your life. Think about the most, this is the most meaningful um, relationship that is possible and how you can invite God into that relationship and 
create that space for him within it. I love that. I love that. And I want to ask you the, uh, a question about them. You were mentioning like um, saying the prayers after you after you immerse in the mikvah. Like, is there like a, a, a prayer, like a written out prayer? Or is it that you're just talking to God in your own words while you're still in the mikvah? Or what, what, what is it exactly? So we actually say a blessing, a blessing on the tefillah, on the immersion. Yes. Um, and the word actually tefillah, which is to immerse, is can actually be rearranged into the word bitl, which means opening myself up to a new experience, not keeping this box of who I am, but this nullification, just like that water pours. It's this aspect of finding a new aspect of me. You know, a person is what person has an infinite soul within them. And that means that we each have infinite abilities. So opening ourselves up to that infinite aspect of ourselves helps us to become what we really can be. It helps us find our potential and become the greatest people that we can be. Um, so as far as the prayers, we say that prayer. Um, some people also say Ayahi Ratzon for the Beit HaMikdash should be built right afterwards. And then after that, it's personal prayers. Think about your own, in your own words, whatever thoughts and feelings you have, any names of people that you want to say a special prayer for, anything in your life. This is a special intimate moment where you are inviting God into the most intimate aspects of your life. And this is the time to use to really, you're there. God's right there with you. Connect with God and ask him your most intimate requests, things that you want in your life, things that you want for to create a better, a better world for him. This is your time to do it. That's beautiful. I really, really like that. It's such a powerful time to do it, actually. You know, after you've dunked, you've immersed in the mikvah three or four times, whatever's your custom, you say the, the prayer, the tefillah the prayer, and then you say your own personal prayers. And that's, it's just a special time. You're so pure at that moment, you know, it's exactly really, really special. Exactly. It's like after you light Shabbat candles, yes. you also, you, you know, you cover your eyes and you just, this is where you're connecting again. These are the yes. woman's special mitzvot. You know, some people do it after challah, the same thing. After you yes. take a little piece of challah, this is your time. This is our special mitzvot. You know, the women's mitzvot really elevate um, time, Shabbat. It elevates time, space and reality, materiality, which is the challah. And mikvah elevates our interpersonal relationships, our relationships with others. So all these aspects, we're elevating all these aspects where thinking about these relationships that we have with time, with space and materials and with others. And we're focusing on how we can become, you know, the greatest person that we can become. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. So now I'm going to ask an interesting question. Um, it's one that's on the minds of a lot of women. So I feel like I really do have to ask it. Um, I've heard that women who struggle with infertility are encouraged to either begin going to the mikvah if they're not currently going. And if they are currently going to be more careful about the way they prepare for the mikvah, both physically and spiritually, as we were talking about. So I want to ask you, does going to the mikvah truly have an effect on a woman, on a woman's ability to get pregnant? Okay, so it's a great question. Um, you know, there's, there's really two ways to look at our world. We can look at our world as the laws of nature reign supreme, and this is all there is. But it says that when God created the world, it says God 
looked into the Torah and then created the world. So the Torah is the blueprint for the world, not the opposite, not that the, the Torah has to fit into the world, but the world has to fit into the Torah. And this is how we can look at spirituality in, 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 in general. It's not that spirituality has to fit into the world. The world has to fit into spirituality and Torah. Um, and we see that in, in so many aspects. We see that the, the actual name for the for world, Olam, Olam means world in Hebrew. And the word Olam actually means Helam. It comes from the word Helam, which means hiddenness meaning our world hides God and our purpose. What is our purpose in this world? A purpose of man and woman. We both have the same purpose. And that is to connect, to have a relationship with God, to find God within the hiddenness of this world. So when we find that there's an area in our life that's being blocked, that we're looking for blessing, the natural place to go is what is spiritually connected to that place that is having this physical blockage from the blessing that we're seeking. We need to open a conduit of blessing, a conduit for the blessing. And the natural way that we do it is through the mitzvah related to that area of our life. Um, and so that's why any, in any area of our life, for example, the mezuzah, it protects us. We know it's, it's there for protection. So if people are having things in their life that are, um, difficulties and accidents, the first place to do is go check your mezuzahs. Make sure you have kosher mezuzahs on your door to check, you know, to check and, and, and to protect you. Um, just parenthetically, I, I when my, my oldest son was like two years old, he kept on having stomach issues. He kept on having like a stomach flu, one stomach flu after another. And I took him to our pediatrician and he says, it's just like a series of bad luck. He just keeps on getting one stomach flu after another, but this was going on for a couple of months and he was just losing weight. It was so sad because he couldn't keep down any of the food. At the same time, my husband happened to break his foot. And again, I was like, so much is going on. I told my husband, check the mezuzahs. He checked the mezuzahs and in one of the mezuzahs, the word v'achalta, which is the word, and you will eat. The leg of the letter was broken off. Oh my, God. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we fixed that. And suddenly, you know, my son didn't have the problems. And of course my husband's leg healed, but my son no longer had those flu problems that he kept on having. And so it's, it's just, you know, a, a, an example have Things are connected spiritually. We're not used to seeing that spiritual connection, but spirituality and physicality is connected. It's all connected. And so when a woman is having trouble with, with fertility or with anything related to what, what a mikvah is, she should definitely start with this mitzvah. Um, I know of a woman who, I know many, many stories. I, in fact, you'll see on, on the jewishwoman.org, you'll see some of these miraculous stories of how mikvah has improved relationships and how it actually improved fertility issues. So um, I know of a woman who um, was having a lot of trouble with, with, with fertility and her rabbitson just was kept on encouraging her to go to mikvah, make a commitment to go to mikvah. She actually went to the Lubavitcher Rebbe in, 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 in Queens, to the Ohel of the Rebbe, 
and she wrote down there, she made a trip in and out. She just went to pray and she wrote down in the letter there that she's making a commitment to start going to the mikvah and miraculously she became pregnant. And this is just not one story, there's many, many stories. She then wanted to have more children. She was already going to mikvah. She then made a commitment to send the oldest child to a Jewish school. And then she again had, um, became pregnant. So it doesn't, I'm not saying take away from the natural you know, form of trying, going, seek the doctor, seek the professional help that you need. But when we need that extra boost, when we need that extra opening, that spiritual conduit to bring that blessing into our lives, we need to do what we, we need to open ourselves up to the possibility that there's something spiritually blocking it. And going to mikvah would be the obvious um, path of, of, of doing to create I mean, that blessing. Yes. And I really like the way that you connected the spiritual to the physical and going to mikvah is just one way, but you're right. If there's a blockage, like you were talking about your, your son with the stomach flu and your husband's leg, wherever there's a blockage, you have to seek the spiritual where, where, where there can be a spiritual opening to unclog the physical blockage, so to speak. So that's a exactly. really, it's a really, really exactly. strong. Because really any challenge that we have, you know, God is good. We don't believe in a punishing God in Judaism. God is a kind God. God is a kind, God is a father of Enumalkanu. God is our father, our king. God loves us. God is the ultimate kindness. God only wants to do goodness to us. And if there we are at, we are enduring a, some challenge in our life, it's really for our benefit, as hard as it is to say, and we don't want to see these challenges. We don't want to encounter them. We ask that we should have the growth that we need without the challenges, but nevertheless, there's a reason for it. And there's something that we need to do in our own lives to open ourselves up to something more. There's some change that needs to be within ourselves. And that's what mitzvah is. That's what, you know, a mitzvah is a connection. We're connect. The word mitzvah means connection. We're connecting to God. We're connecting to our essence. We're connecting to our soul and thereby opening more conduits for spirituality and for blessings. I love it. That's so beautiful and so powerful and so effective. So really effective. Yes. yes. Um, so now I want to kind of move into the relationship aspect, you know, of mikvah, what mikvah can do, because the mitzvah of mikvah is so beautiful. And as we mentioned earlier, it has a potential to spiritually elevate our marriage and improve our relationship with our husband. So I want to kind of talk a little bit more about that specifically. So can you please talk to us about the impact that going to the mikvah has specifically on, on a marriage? Absolutely. So like we said, you know, we live in such highly sexualized times where everything is about sexuality and um, you see it advertised on billboards everywhere. And yet it's not being effective in creating happier, more um, cohesive marriages to the opposite. We're seeing the breakdown of marriage all around us. And so this system of family living, which is what I like to call Tarot Mishpacha, says, hold on, we're going to take a completely different approach. We're going to focus on the relationship, but we're going to focus on a way to, to enhance it, to make it so special, not by seeking crazy and, and, and more crazy stimulations and more crazy forms of doing things, but by going back to basics. So the first the first impact that it has is that it's, 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 it's obvious that a relationship after some time experiences boredom. There's boredom. You want more stimulation. You want to try out new things. 
And instead of going crazy with new things and new um, introducing new stimulation into your life and into your relationship, the Taurus is just hold back, hold back for two weeks. And suddenly you'll see how impactful a kiss is, how impactful a touch is, how impactful a hug is. Hold back rather than trying out new and crazier things. So the first um, impact that it has on the relationship is that it stops that boredom. It creates that monthly honeymoon where again, the passion is reignited. It's, it's really, a, you know, it's, it's a brilliant system. You know, I, I was speaking for a group um, in California once about this, is about the, the mikvah and what we do. And there was a woman in the crowd who was actually a sex therapist. Wow. And she came to me afterwards and she says, this is brilliant. This is just so brilliant. I'm going to tell this to all my, <laughs> all my clients because I never heard of this thing. I think this is the most brilliant way of addressing it. Wow. So, so that's the first aspect. It, 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 it addresses the boredom. Um, the second aspect of it is also it addresses self-restraint. You know, one of the most important things for men and women and studies that were done, things that most men and women both want is faithfulness in their relationship. They want a husband or a wife who's going to be faithful to them. And what the mikvah does is it helps us to restrain ourselves in this aspect of self-gratification. It puts on a certain discipline in ourselves. So if we can be self-disciplined when it comes to our own relationships, how much more so can it help us when it comes to other relationships as well outside of the relationship? outside of the marriage. Right. Um, so it definitely stretches those muscles of self-restraint and teaches you about gratification in its time. Um, another aspect of Mikvo, and this is an aspect that I really love, is that it provides a woman time and space for herself wow. to discover herself. And again, we said like so often, you know, in a relationship, there's so many areas that are pulling at women and this is a time and a space for her to say, very much in tune with the ebb and flow of her natural desires, where she's not rejecting him. She's not saying no, because it's this system that's in place for both of them, but it allows her that time and space for herself physically, where she's not always on call. It allows that time and space to develop other areas of their life. So it's not, they don't just look at each other as just a sexual being, as just a sexual object, but you start looking at the whole person. You see the person as a whole, as a physical, emotional, spiritual person, and you develop other areas of the relationship where it's not just a physical connection, but let's work on the emotional connection. Let's work on the conversing, the talking, the spending time doing other things in our relationship. It almost forces you to look at those other areas, look at each other as intellectual beings, as emotional beings, as spiritual beings, and focus on those er other areas as well. Um, and then of course, it also brings holiness into our lives. Like we said, it's, it's asking God to be a partner with us in the most holiest aspect of our life. 
you know, Judaism does not look at sexuality like Christianity does as something that's a necessary evil. To the contrary, in Judaism, sexuality between husband and wife is considered the most holiest endeavor possible. In fact, in the Beit HaMikdash, in the temple, the Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies, the room was called Cheder Hamitot, the bedroom. You know, it's called a bedroom. That's the holiest of holiest rooms is the bedroom. And that was like the bedroom between God and the Jewish people. And the Kruvim, which was on top of the Aron, were in two shapes of these, uh, a masculine and a feminine. And they were embracing each other. When God and the Jewish people were connected and were their relationship was going, we were connected. We were embracing each other. So the Holy of Holiest has this image of a man and a woman embracing one another. You know, that's the beauty. That's how Judaism looks at intimacy and sexuality between husband and wife, that it can be something that is so potent, that has so potent, um, but it needs to be done in the right way. It needs to be with the self-discipline. It needs to be with the right perspective at the right time to enhance both parties so that we're not just physical beings trying to get take care of our personal needs, but we see the other as their own person. And we see God in our relationship. Um, you know, I, I was once speaking to a crowd and there, there was a, a, a man and a woman, a husband and wife who came to see me afterwards. And they said, could, could we speak to you for a few moments? And they came into the room where he was looking that way. She was looking that way, like completely, you know, you could see the relationship was in real disrepair. And, um, she was having postpartum after having a baby. It was already a year or so after, but she still had postpartum issues. Meanwhile, he had he had had an affair with another with another oh woman. Oh. It was like completely, and yet they didn't want to give up on their relationship. And they asked for suggestions. What can we do? And I said, really, what we need to do here is we need to work on three parts. We need to work on her becoming strengthened and taking care of her issues. We need to work on him changing what he's done, which is a complete, you know, completely unacceptable and why he, what caused him to do that. And then we need to work on, besides on each of them healing in their own, we need to work on the relationship as a whole right. and working on that relationship entails spending time with each other, date nights and, and, you know, fostering that relationship itself, strengthening the relationship and trying to figure out why this has happened. And then there's another aspect and that is bringing God into the relationship because you see, if the relationship is only as strong as what I'm feeling towards you right now and what you're feeling towards me right now, then if I'm not in the mood for you right now, or I don't feel that right now you're benefiting me or I'm getting, you know, marriage is beneficial for me, then today it's off it because it's based on my moods and my feelings right now. But if marriage is based on something greater than that, if we're bringing into our marriage something higher than just what I'm feeling right now and what you're feeling right now and my needs and your needs, but we're bringing God into our relationship, that's something that is everlasting and can, can weather all the storms that a relationship really has. So that's really... Um, what mikvah does, it invites God into our lives. It also connects, of course, women to generations of women from the past. 
and not only connecting them from the past, but also it's, it's a tremendous gift that you're giving to your children because it's a spiritual gift that you're giving. It's not only enhancing the relationship itself, but it's a spiritual gift that you're giving to your children that there's nothing like it. You know, when we're pregnant as a woman, we'll do anything for our children. We'll eat all the correct foods. We'll listen to music because we know that the fetus, you know, is, is listening to the music that we're doing. We'll exercise in the right way. We'll, we'll introduce all kinds of things in our life and change around our life. If we smoke, we'll stop smoking anything for the benefit of this baby. And yet mikvah is a spiritual benefit that you're giving your child that's everlasting. So it's, it's a tremendous gift that you're not only giving your marriage and your relationship, but it's a gift that you're giving to your children as well. That's beautiful. I love that. And I love that that third partner in the marriage concept that you were just talking about bringing God to the marriage. It's so beautiful. So yes. we're almost out of time, but I do have a very important question because I know people are going to be wondering about this. Because ideally, a woman should go to the mikvah right before her wedding and then continue this beautiful mitzvah as she begins her marriage. But the truth is that many women find out about the mystical powers of the mikvah after they have been married for several years. So the question is really, can a woman who has been married for 20 years, 30 years, without ever going to the mikvah before, can she begin her mikvah journey now? Absolutely. Okay. In Judaism, there's no such thing as it's too late. Is never too, it's never too late. In fact, I'm going to tell you something mind-blowing. Not only can a woman start going to the mikvah at a later time in her life, but even when a woman is menopausal and doesn't need to go to mikvah anymore, she can go one last time. And that one last time that she goes retroactively changes and provides the benefit for all the previous years of going. And that's the, that's the beautiful part. You see, when you talk about spirituality, it's not something like physicality is there's a timeline and everything's going forward. Spirituality is not past, present, or future. It can go back in time and can completely change over how things were in the past to create a, 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 all the spiritual benefit that you are having now retroactively. And that's really the idea of teshuva. You know, when we do teshuva, we change over all the sins that we've done, all the negativity that we've done in the past, they become mitzvot. Why? Because it's those sins that actually pushed us to do the tshuva, that actually made us feel this disconnect from God. And when we felt that disconnect, we have felt this tremendous longing for God. So the sins that we did actually are the impetus for us getting closer to God. And the same thing is with mikvah. Those times that we haven't gone become the impetus for that time period when we are going and then retroactively change around all those times in the past that we haven't gone. So I would highly encourage any woman who has not gone to mikvah to start to, to see the, the magic in it, to see the beauty in it, to see the connection in it, to feel it, try it, try it once, see what it's like and try to really make it a part of your life, a system in your life, because it's something that can enhance you as a person and can enhance your relationship. And also, as we said, brings God into the relationship. Um, so if you haven't gone, definitely go. If you are menopausal, even go that one last time to retroactively change things around. It's a fabulous mitzvah. It's something that connects us to God. It's something that God is doing for our benefit, like any mitzvah that we have. Um, if you're feeling 
a difficulty with it, a challenge in it, reach out to someone, reach out to a, a mentor. At My Gift of Mikvah, we do have Mikvah mentors um, on the JewishWoman.org. We have all different kinds of articles where you can see different people going through different challenges and experiences. Reach out to somebody. You know, life is not always straight. We need to, sometimes there are hills and mountains that we have to climb, but the view from the mountain is going to be so amazing. So if you push yourself to actually do it, that's, you, you will reap the benefit. You will find that there's something beautiful in it, something magical in it. And this connection that you will find with God is, is really the, the ultimate gift that you can give to yourself and to your family. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Hannah, for joining us on America's Top Robinsons. It was really, truly a pleasure to have you here with us. And we learned so much. May the tremendous learning that we did today be for Fuwa Shalema, for Abihai Batmalka, and also for Haim Aharon Ben Rachel. Thank you so much again. My pleasure. Thank you.